0: Good morning and welcome to your Friday edition of the Holy Commutes podcast, the only podcast in Wiffleball that gives you daily content during our three-week season. My name is Tom Gannon and I am joined by the winning pitcher from the United Wiffle Championship. This is now your second complete game win in the
1: championship at UWF, Joe Evanish. Hey, thanks Tom. Happy to be here. I'm um, looking forward to share. Some of, uh, some of the insights into the tournament and uh, the championship game. Fun time.
0: Yeah, happy to have you on
1: here. And I
0: guess I'll leave with this.
1: You are,
0: there have been four championship games, and you were the winning pitcher in two of them. The other two, Ryan McElrath and Chris Sarnowski. So how does it feel to have two of them? You know, as you both times for the suspects.
1: I didn't even know that until you said it right there. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, it's fun. It's a fun tournament. It's professionally run. I love being on that stage. I don't think there's any better stage to be on when you know you're facing the best talent. So it, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and you've been on it the most times now.
1: Yeah, yeah, facing two different very good teams. So yeah, and successful both times, two and zero. Pretty
0: cool. So yep. I guess first, uh, reflect back on the very first UF 2020 defeating Black Dog Country Club. That was obviously a big game, very cold, rainy.
1: What do you remember from that?
0: And the whole tournament, really.
1: Yeah. Um, we we didn't know what to expect. Nobody did. It was the first UFs. And I think um, that's what made it so special. Everybody was gunning for that number one spot to prove who was the best in the world. And so, what I remember about that tournament is, you know, it's been a long time since I've seen such dynamic playing out of, um, I guess, different parts of the world, and people play with cut balls, scuff balls. What do you call it? No, no scuff, just a just right out of the box, clean ball. So I had to face uh, some stuff I hadn't seen before, or it's been at least fifteen years since I've seen uh, a clean ball. Well, actually, that's not true. I, I mean, I guess it kind of doesn't count because I'm a lefty,
0: but I threw a clean ball in 2019 when I faced you at Fast Plastic. Did you? <laughs> that was back when, like, Poop was throwing it. I think Devin Torres threw it. Ryan McElroy threw it a little bit. Vin Lee broke it out. I feel like a lot of people threw Unscuffed Ball at that particular 2019 Fast Plastic.
1: Was that the um, uh, Texas tournament? Yeah,
0: that was the year that uh, I think Coop won Cy Young throwing the clean ball. And C4 Phenoms in the championship. It was like an 8-7, to 7-6 seven, seven to six or something like that, I think.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was my first year back in Wiffle Ball, really taking it seriously again. That was fun.
0: That was my second year going to Texas. And I remember it was funny because they had 16 teams for that tournament. And my team, we signed up 18th. It was going to be me, Rob Sutton, Colin Prentice, and then maybe we were going to try to figure out a fourth at the last minute. But since we were the 18th team to sign up, we were like on the waiting list. So I ended up joining the Crusaders. It was Stein, Dalby, and Mockaby. Yeah, that's right. And it was funny because like I had no real connection to those
1: guys. But then, like a year later, we're all playing in the same league in Vegas. It's funny how you play with certain people, or at the time, I played against the Mikel Rats. Now, now that I recall that tournament, I played against the Mikel Rats in 2019. Didn't know who they were. I guess we didn't know each other. But here we are again, you know, four years later, playing on the championship stage. Yeah, I think they knocked you guys out.
0: It was the Mckell Rats, Dave Fisher, and Connor Young, I want to say, was that team.
1: Yeah, they, they smacked us up. Smacked us up, yeah. But to be fair... I got a call about a month before the tournament. I was filling in for someone. I hadn't picked up a wiffle ball in, I don't know, five years at least. So not too bad considering the, the circumstance. Didn't you win the Home Run Derby? Am I making that up? I did. I did win the Home Run. Yeah, you have the bat and everything. That's funny. Yeah, because
0: I remember I think you won the Home Run Derby in jeans. And I remember being like, who the hell is this guy? And then now, <laughs> now I know.
1: I did. I I won in jeans. Um, yeah, I remember people coming up to me saying, hey, great job. Who are you?
0: <laughs> great job.
1: Who are you? Who is
0: this guy? That's funny. All right. So now get into the two years that the Juggernauts won. What did you get knocked out by the Lemonheads, I want to say? Yeah. The year after you guys won, and then the year after that, you faced the Juggernauts in the semifinals.
1: That's right. Yeah. We threw so lemonheads knocked us out. Um, I pitched that game, so you know that was uh, there's some really good talent in in US. A team smacked me up a little bit. Didn't have my best stuff. Um, they went on. I think they took it pretty deep, and then uh, I think eventually the the jugs won. Right?
0: Yeah, it was uh, the the lemonheads. They lost in the semifinals to the meats. So they, I think they then beat Ridley Park after beating you guys, and then
1: kind of ran out of gas, from what I remember. Right, right, and then yeah. So the Jugs took it down the next two years, so it'd be another three years before we get our shot again.
0: They beat you in the semifinals. It was Ryan Wood started, and he got smacked around pretty good. Oh <laughs> yeah, I think I remember him saying like he's never ever been hit like that. Uh, so coming into this year. You know, when you knew you were advancing to face them in the finals, was it kind of obvious that you were getting the ball because you came in the year before and kind of held them down and kept, them, kept you guys in the game at least?
1: I don't think we ever know what we're doing. Danny, Danny's a hell of a coach. He coaches this team. He knows every rule. He's got every situation down pat. Um, what Danny knows is I want that ball on the biggest stage uh, turned up to the highest volume. And so he makes the choice, but yeah, Ryan Ryan got spacked around pretty good. Uh, you know, he he's got to take the good with the bad, right? Hell of a player, but um, I don't even think he got an out that game. Yeah, it was uh
0: it was pretty bad. I don't remember exactly how bad it was, but he came in pretty early, and then yeah, you, know, you guys just never came back. I think Ryan would also hit a home run that game.
1: I don't. To be fair, I don't know of a game where he doesn't hit a home run.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was pretty ridiculous. This, I mean, he, he kind of is every year, but specifically this year, I think Lanigan said on the podcast with Tim that it was might have been his best hitting year, which for him is obviously even more exaggerated.
1: Yeah, there are a couple guys that um, when I practice, I I imagine I'm facing because, you know, you want to practice like you play. So you want to face the best talent, and that's Reinwood. Something I didn't know about you,
0: he's probably the easiest person to imagine facing because you faced him more than anyone else ever.
1: And there was that. Yeah. So we played each other. He's the one who introduced me to wiffle ball. Um, Me, Ryan, and Scott, Scott Alfred, we played uh, high school baseball together. And Ryan was really good at baseball, too. But baseball was kind of his hobby. Um, He would go home after practice, and we we would play wiffle ball. I think his dad got got him into it. His dad's still good to this day. His dad's like 60-something years old. He's, I don't know, a freak he does it. But um, so Ryan introduced me to wiffle ball. And we played um, probably when I was 14, started at 14, right up to 18. And then um, for those four years, I probably played them three times a week.
0: So what what were these
1: games like?
0: Like, are you playing, like, just a few innings or these nine-inning games?
1: Uh, so, you know, it varies. Sometimes we'd have Scott there um, to take out the trash. No, I'm kidding. He'd be the DH. Or sometimes we'd be playing head up. There are probably, you know, a handful of games we played very seriously. Um, from At that time, Ryan was unstoppable. I probably beat him once out of a hundred times and you, you don't want to play him one-on-one. I mean, I do. You don't. He's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, we fly, I fly into DC for work every six weeks and we meet up in Atlantic city, probably two times a year. And we play on the strip in front of everybody. One-on-one.
0: That sounds fun.
1: I mean, there, there are people passing by just drunk as shit and crowds form, watching us play one-on-one. Oh, it's good times. Uh, and there was this one time in particular, uh, I really thought I was going to beat him. We were playing. It was probably 10 o'clock at night. We couldn't see anything. You just had the street lights. Um, and so the game was one nothing. And he threw me a pitch, and I crushed it. And I couldn't even see it. It was pitch black. And he dives. And he catches it with one hand. And we're on pavement. So he cut himself up. He dives after this ball. He catches it with one hand to make the out. Uh, And and I was like, are you kidding me? That was my shot. I almost had him. That was incredible.
0: Wow, that sounds painful.
1: That's just, you know, how competitive we all were. He was not going to let me win.
0: Yeah, speaking of painful, you want to get into this year's championship game?
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about it.
0: All right, so actually before we get into that, let's talk about the game against TC35 the night before cuz you got to play against Connor Jaso who I actually found him on Discord through a Mario baseball. He was trying to get trying to download the game and then we ended up playing in a ball tournament together. I had no idea he was good and then he shows up to the, this MLW tournament throwing 100 miles an hour. And in the first inning of our first game, I, like, walked up to him. I'm like, just just so you know, you're definitely the ace. I do not throw that hard.
1: He's, uh, yeah, I, facing that kid, you barely see the ball. He throws hard, hard. There are a lot of guys in this league that throw hard.
0: Yeah, but there, there are not a lot of guys that throw that hard. I mean, I had him. I brought the pocket radar down to the MLW tournament in Texas, and I had him at 102. <laughs>
1: is that right yeah okay that's that's hard um but really once you're throwing high 90s after that doesn't matter but yeah you're right that kid throws smoke. yeah it's
0: like it's, it's there i mean it's at the plate immediately like you can't get fa- it doesn't get that much faster
1: and you know i saw him warming up and everyone's coming up to me because dude that kid got clocked at 102 Ryan's coming up to me, and the the type of relationship you know we have on the team is we bust each other's balls. He's like, "Yeah, you're done. You're old, you're done. This kid's throwing cheddar. Um, and I loved it. And, and all I could think was, yeah, these young kids, their themes are, hey, I'm invincible. There's so many levels to this game, and it's great to see that they're participating, and they've got to go through the motions. they've got to learn what what I'm sure Connor learned, um, it's not about how hard you throw. This game is is dynamic. it You have to have multiple elements in your bag in your in your tool bag,
0: yeah, I mean, velocity it definitely helps. But back when I could only throw seventy five, I still beat plenty of people
1: right because you you, you had other ingredients. And so anyway, like I, I look at before that game, I, I was like, you know, I almost feel bad. Because he doesn't know it yet, but he already lost. You already lost. And that's the mentality that I have going into that.
0: Almost. I bet it also kind of felt good. Yeah. Almost feel bad. Uh, but you did feel bad the next day. I mean, I bet you're pretty sore after having pitched that game. So break that down.
1: Yeah. No, it's – so whiffle ball takes a toll on my arm. Some of you know me. Many of you don't. It, I had Tommy John when I was 17. Um, I never really healed right. I can still throw hard. I just, there's not a day that goes by I don't throw without pain. And so, yeah, the next day, I was in agony.
0: Also, I remember interviewing some of your teammates before the game. I was going to ask you a couple questions, but, like, you were, like, headphones in, getting in the zone, so I, I don't think I said anything to you. So, yeah, so what's your, like, how do you get ready for a game?
1: Yeah, so who I am off the field is very different than who I am on the mount. Like this is this is great, this is fun. We're doing a podcast and um, we're friends. When when we step on that field, we're not friends. I'm not there to talk to you. I have um, one thing in mind, and that's winning. A couple ways that I prepare is just by mentally going somewhere and putting my mind somewhere so that, one, I, I can not think about the pain anymore. And two, I just I, I get rid of every distraction around that game. If you're not going to win by clapping. You won't get in my head. Um, there will be no spark. That's pretty good. You're throwing really
0: fast, by the way, in that game. So I'm sure it hurt a lot. But how much preparation and throwing and wiffle ball practice do you get before UF? Because it's pretty much like you, Didio, and that one other guy that moved from Cedar Park to Colorado were the only three people in the whole state that play wiffle ball, right?
1: Yeah, there there aren't too many players. It's really just me and Did's. Um, you know, I forget his name, but yeah, a gentleman came down from Texas. He came down one time. Um August rolls around. That's typically when I flip the switch. Uh, like everyone else, I'm sure I've got you've got life to contend with. I got a family. I'm a husband and a father, and and that comes first. Um, but when August rolls around, I I block everything out, and Whiffle ball comes first. And so for those two months, how I mentally prepare is uh, I do the shit that's uncomfortable. You know, I I know you whiffs is painful. And I make sure that I put my body through horrible things and train my mind to go somewhere else, because that's what it takes to win.
0: All right, so you want to elaborate on the horrible things, or is that probably not uh, family friendly?
1: <laughs> um, for the training, I can keep it PG-13. So you, you, I stay in shape all year. Yeah, You have to exercise. You can't just go from, from nothing. But uh, I'll give you an example. So before the tournament. I go through what I call hell day in this day to prepare for the next week. Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take you through it. And then you tell me if you want to face me in the championship game. Well, I already know the answer to that question is no, because you're 2-0. and o, so. <laughs> um, But I encourage it, right? We want to see
0: other winners. Come get it. That's a good point, actually. I, sh- I should want to beat you so that
1: you're 2-1, and one, and then I'll be the guy that beat Joe Evidence. That's right. Get your name on the wall. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta last in the tournament in this day. I'll, I'll start with squats and I'll build up to, I don't know, 375, maybe then I'll deadlift 315. I'll do like three or four reps each. Then I'll do pull-ups with 75 pounds strapped to my waist. Then I'll do push-ups with both my kids standing on my back. Uh, you guys know I'm in Colorado, so Uh, Then I run three miles in the mountains. And I have to clear an eight-minute pace. And that's not flat. That's at elevation on hills. I come back. I do abs. I do explosive drills. That takes about two hours. Then I throw a simulated five-inning game, because it's easy to throw and face people when you're feeling good. You got to do horrible things. Put yourself through just terrible things to come out a winner. You're exhausted, you're shaky, you're sore, you're nauseous. And guess who's at bat? Jay Tresca, Ben Stant, Ryan Wood. I study there at bats. I throw that five-inning game. And I know the consequences if I make a mistake. So how many days before you with is this day? Um, About seven. And I will caution you, I did tear both my hamstrings uh, last year because of it so it did not work out last year
0: <laughs> gotcha this is a very delicate hell day
1: it, yeah say the least yeah
0: fine line between preparation and destroying your body so you are not ready at all
1: yeah sometimes um the means destroyed the end but yeah it's for a good cause I, I thought you were going to say at least two weeks. That's crazy. I mean, I, I need four days to heal after that, or five days. So seven days, I don't touch anything after that. I don't pick up a whipple ball. I just relax. But then, you know, when you're on the mount, get ready to go to war. And if you want what's mine, you better be ready to come fucking take it from me.
0: See now, I see how you were throwing harder on Sunday than you were Saturday night. That makes sense. Man,
1: it's all mindset, you know. Yeah, everyone's recipe for success is different. But I will say, every everyone on the usual suspects, they bust their ass. They don't have. They have their own routine.
0: Yeah, honestly, I actually don't think the recipe for success is different for anyone. I think it's just actually preparing more than all the other teams. I mean, look at you guys. Look at the juggernauts. I think. The reason you guys have won all the championships and been in the championship multiple times is because you just practice more than the other people. Like it's really really not that complicated. You just have to actually be willing to do it,
1: yeah. Uh, that's fair. So I, I guess everyone's form of preparation is different. Um, because we all have life circumstances. And like take Ryan. Ryan owns a an extermination business in. He's got a wife, and he's got two young kids, so he can't just get up and practice. Um, so what he does is, he'll he'll take a call and he'll be taking care of a customer at their house. And when he's done, he brings his wiffle ball stuff with him. So he'll make his employees throw to him in the backyard of a customer's house, and he just crush, and he videotapes it. He's crushing people. And he's crushing the backs of people's houses. Um, and it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to get me some of those clips.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See what I could do.
0: That's, I mean, is there, are there any other crazy things that the people on your team do? I, I think
1: the other guys, Scott, Danny, and Sylvie, they, they all do pretty normal stuff to prepare. They all prepare. Don't get me wrong, but Scotty's sending pictures of batting cages and um, Scott is a freak when it comes to fitness, so he's gotten into CrossFit. I think he's got like, I don't know, 16 abs and counting. And and Danny, Danny prepares, but his recipe isn't going nuts like I do. Danny's got a different recipe for success, and I'm, and I'm telling you, it works. Every year, Danny's like a fine wine. He just gets better with age.
0: Yeah, I know last year... What was it? He beat like the Ridley Park Magic in the first
1: game or something. That was a pretty big team. Yeah, and it like probably almost a perfect game. I just remember him. He hit every spot. He just, he could call his pitch and he was throwing cheddar. Who is this guy? So I guess
0: the addition of Sylvie this year, that was interesting. Uh, Can you walk me through that whole process? I know Lanigan talked about it a little bit with Tim on the podcast, but from your perspective, how'd that go?
1: That's a, that's a tough one for us, because we all love Johnny. I especially love Johnny. Tears were shed. Um, it, it's unfortunate, but I understand from a business decision standpoint. And it, honestly, it, I didn't stay too close to that decision. I just told Danny to do what's best for the team. Win a championship, so I guess he was right. Win a championship, yeah. Yeah. To win this game, you need to have a particular puzzle piece to fit together and make the puzzle. And Sylvie fit at the time what we were trying to accomplish. Because Danny was leaving, especially because he had to go to his wedding, we needed somebody.
0: I think that's pretty much everything I've got. If you have
1: more stuff you want to add. I'll do some shout-outs. Because I think the uh, Wiffle world should know that all of this wouldn't be made possible if it wasn't for the organizers, Paul, Tim Cook, right? Tim Dean and everyone else involved. I mean, you you consider the stage we get to play on and that's all because of the the folks that chip in and care to make that happen. So um, thank you. Thank you to everyone there.
0: And thanks to everyone for showing up. I mean, it kind of goes both ways. Like without 40 teams ready to play, this just doesn't happen. That's true. That's true. And competition gets better every year. It really does. And it's funny because you have a lot of the same teams all four years, and even not the same teams, but the same players, maybe moving between different teams. For example, I've been on a different team every year, but it just feels like everyone is getting better every
1: year and there's new people coming in at the same time. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. I like how we're getting, um, different countries involved. I think that's really cool. I hope that continues to grow. Yeah, it was cool playing with Team Japan last year because
0: when I like very first started playing wiffle ball and did the kind of deep dive down the rabbit hole, I found these guys from Japan on Twitter. So we kind of started playing seriously around the same time. And then it just so happened one of my best friends from high school was living in Japan and is fluent in Japanese. So he, we actually did a video call where he translated because I don't speak Japanese and they don't speak English. So it was really funny how all that stuff eventually worked out. Lanigan found us a translator. I
1: mean, (laughs) we had everything. Yeah. Talk about going above and beyond, right. To make everyone feel included. That that's awesome. What what were those interactions like? Oh, I mean, it was so awesome.
0: Um, So I picked them up at the airport in Boston and we just used Google translate, like just kind of like Google translate, point the phone at the guy, whether it's you know, having the voice say it or just having each other read it. And it's funny because they actually, the the bags didn't make their, they had connecting flight through New York and the bags didn't make the connection somehow or whatever. So they didn't have any of their stuff. Uh, I brought them back to my parents' house and then uh, their bags eventually got there like the next day in the afternoon. Uh, but we did like a tour of Fenway Park, went to Boston. Stopped in New York on the way down to Pennsylvania, you know, did all the touristy Central Park, Statue of Liberty, you know, not actually going to the island, but seeing it from a distance. Uh, walked to like Wall Street, Times Square, all that crap. That's cool. So they got the, the experience. <laughs> Thankfully, we had Lucas Francis on our team because my legs were shot. I was not, I, I'm, I didn't pitch it all that year. And <laughs> thank God I didn't. I would have hurt myself.
1: <laughs> well, I hope I see more of that. It's cool to get everybody involved. Yeah, hopefully they can get me back next year. Yeah, we had had Puerto Rico here this year.
0: And there was also a team from Canada. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was like the team from Canada, and I want to say it was like Vortex or something. They had a crazy high-scoring
1: game. It was unbelievable. Jeez. So continue the the thread of shout-outs. Shout-out to my wife for supporting me August through October. She's got to pick up the slack so that I can focus on wiffle ball. Um, Thanks, honey. Shout out to the jugs. Yeah, I know. Oh, mortal enemy. Yeah, at the end of the day, we step off the mound. We're friends. They're the real deal. I have no doubt we'll see them again. And what I respect most about the juggernauts is not how many titles they hold today, even though that's impressive but how they handled the outcome of that game. Every one of them came up to us. They're a classy team. They took the game on the chin. They congratulated us. They told us what they appreciated most about our playing styles. And then they talked about how much they they were looking forward to next season. Character. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, having two titles already definitely makes it easier to swallow losing in the finals. But, of course, the three-peat would have been pretty epic, obviously.
1: That'd be pretty cool, yeah.
0: But no, those guys are really good. They'll be back. And it only makes your accomplishment more impressive having a great team like the Juggernauts to go against. You know, you need these good teams to make it hard to win. Otherwise, it doesn't really mean as much.
1: 100%. Spot on. I mean, there are a lot of good teams. It is hard. It's hard. You want to beat the best on the biggest stage. That's, that's where you want to be. Then you're there.
0: So congratulations for that. I mean, a lot of people will go their whole career never even getting there.
1: Yeah, thank you. You know, never mind
0: going two and L. like there's just a handful of people that have pitched in the finals in UF. What did it look like for you? You were announcing, right? You're up there. Yeah, it looked uh looked pretty painful, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like I'm sure you were prepared for that to be the last time you pitch actually thought it was going to be um yeah and i expect you to be able to do the same thing next year but like you know at the end of the day if it's the championship game it's probably worth it oh yeah leave it all out there that's probably a good spot to end honestly
1: cool you want to talk about um you want to talk about Ryan's three errors. We got we got to bake that in somehow.
0: Oh, I can't believe we missed it. Yeah, we mm-hmm. never talked about that.
1: Yeah, I can just edit it and throw it somewhere else in
0: the uh... Yeah, please. Please do. Cuz we were yeah, we were talking about that right before we started recording. And they were like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I remember the second one thinking like, "Oh, he finally he has a good chance to make up for it quickly." It was
1: like a bad dream. I was just Waiting to wake up. Like, this this can't be happening. Someone were to tell you, hey, you have to throw in the championship game. You're in incredible pain. You have to face the jugs. And oh, by the way, you have to give them an extra three outs. I just.
0: The fact that it's Ryan Wood, too. I mean, if there was an over under on single game Ryan Wood errors and it was set at two and a half, anyone that took the over. You'd be
1: crazy. But they would also be rich. I would take that bet, and I'd, that's why I don't bet. I mean, you have to work hard to make to make that many errors. And he, by the way, he is a good fielder, unless I'm pitching. So if you go back to 2020, he did the same thing in the championship game, and you know the running joke is he's if I'm on the mound, he's going to throw it in the dirt. He doesn't want me to win that game. He, he wants to be on that stage. Three errors, uh, unreal. And he, he wanted to take himself out, and, and we wouldn't let him. I still think if there was
0: another fielding opportunity, he would have made the play. You want
1: to give him a, a fourth chance? You want to roll those dice? Uh, the, the probability of that, I mean, they're going to say, no way. I don't know, though. Like, it's got to be
0: like, if he's a lifetime 96% throw to the backstop, you have to imagine the fourth one's going to be a hit, right?
1: I could go either way there. You know, because someone is so good for so long, but on a single day, if they've thrown more than two errors, maybe their probability of throwing another error is really high. He just got the yips. I don't know. I mean, I've never seen anything like it.
0: In a weird way, it made your pitching performance that much more impressive because you basically pitched another inning and still got a shutout.
1: Yeah, at the time, it didn't feel great. Um, and you, you really can't give that team extra chances.
0: I mean, apparently you can.
1: (laughs) Well, you shouldn't. My advice is don't give them extra chances.